All right. So if you want to have your Bibles out to that passage, it's probably advisable. I didn't get around to doing slides this time around, my apologies, but uh, we will be going through those verses verse by verse, so it would be good to have it on hand. So how has 2023 treated you? Or perhaps a better question to ask is, how have you treated others in 2023? I'm sure with reflection, there are some things that we wish we could have done better or opportunities that we missed. Perhaps you raised some of these things during our prayer time with one another this morning. This time last year, I made a New Year's resolution that I wanted to be more content with my lot in life, content with the gifts, opportunities, and relationships that God put in my life. And yet, Despite the abundance of blessings, as I discussed in my small group a little while ago, it was crazy how quickly I became unsatisfied and even worried with my lack of progress, so to speak, this year. Maybe you've had the same sort of thing. You've gone into 2023 with COVID now a distant memory, although some people watching online might differ on that thinking of all the good experiences and memories that this year will bring. But life happened. Some of us started the year with big plans for studies and apprenticeships, and now we don't know where we will be in the next couple of months. Some of us had plans for serving, holidaying, even just living life normally. But our health has taken a nosedive. Unplanned surgeries were required. Illness got in the way of a good time. Or we failed to take the leap of faith during an opportunity to share the gospel. These things are all very real, and they happen often. It is the reality of living in a sinful world as sinful human beings, naturally drawn to serve ourselves. But we shouldn't lose all hope. We can't lose all hope, because that flies in the face of the true hope which we profess here as a congregation. Today, we will go through Philippians 1, verse 3 to 11, verse by verse. This is a letter written by Paul to encourage the church in their faith journey and to inspire them to not be disgruntled by hardship or to feel content with where they were at with God. But rather, he inspires them and us to get to know Jesus more and more. Because by knowing Jesus more, we will love him more and will desire to live for him more. We will become more like him. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So with that, let's start with verses 3 and 4. And it's important to, know, to remember here that Paul is actually in prison while he's writing this letter. Uh, it's actually the focus of the next part of Philippians after this. But Paul is praying with joy. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Reminds me of Ross with his James passages. The key here is not that he is praying, but who he is praying for. Putting verses 3 and 4 together, it is clear that it is his fond memory of the faithfulness of Philippi that brings him joy. 
The Philippians had only been a church for around 10 years at this point. But their Christ-like love was strong. And their selfless service for others was evident, even to the imprisoned Paul. And this is why, when praying for the church of Philippi, it brought him great joy. So what if Paul was writing this about Williton Christian Church? Are we remembered with joy by others, by our community here in Williton, by visitors that come through those doors, or even by our fellow members? Do our words and deeds speak of a love for others? Are they meant to build others up? Because if this is not the case, if Paul could not say the same for you, well, then we need to make a change. The best place for this to start is our prayer life. When we pray for others, like we did during the congregational prayer this morning, our minds are actually shifting away from finding joy in our own success, thinking about ourselves, and instead thinking about the well-being of others. This is a good thing. So let's make sure that our joy in others is clear to all. Our next point is in verse 5. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, what is Paul talking about when he speaks of partnership in the gospel? Well, we actually heard it in that prayer that we just did. Simon kindly mentioned it about the West Papuan Church. Paul is speaking of the same thing that we have here in Willow, partnering with missions, with causes and ministries to proclaim the word of God. When Paul visited the church of Philippi, they cared for all of his practical needs. When traveling to other churches and when imprisoned, like he is now, they have been providing financially to keep him afloat. And above all, they held Paul in their prayers that through his travels and trials, Christ would be proclaimed and would give Paul the peace and assurance he needed. Through our partnerships with our mission partners, we are doing the exact same thing. We partner with missionaries, our pastors when we have them, our elders, our ministry workers, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So using the Church of Philippi as an example for us, how can we best support our partners in the gospel? And in fact, given our recent call, this point is actually quite relevant when considering Chin and his family. As he takes up his role as a ministry worker and studies part-time, how can we, both individually and as a congregation, best serve and support them? Next point in verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In our journey with the Lord, we must remember that it is just that, a journey. Growing Christ-like and in holiness is a lifelong process. God's work for us first began with the death of Jesus on the cross for our sins. His work began in us when we first believed. 
And the Holy Spirit continues to work through us to make us more Christ-like every day. Remember Jeremiah 29 verse 11? I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. God has a plan for our lives and he will continue to work for and in and through us until his work is complete. And when will it be complete? Well, when we are face to face with him that is Christ in glory, in paradise. And that is his promise to us. So don't lose heart or be fearful if you think that you're not really getting anywhere in your life at the moment, or if you're confused about what comes next. Just walk the faith journey as you would any, one step at a time, but trusting in God all the way. And I know what you're thinking at this point, or Paul is actually quite smart about this. He realizes that people go, well, it's easy for you to say, Paul, you know, just chug along, do the faith stuff. But what if there's roadblocks? What if there are severe challenges, things that actually hurt me and stop me? Well, now Paul goes on to talk a bit about dealing with suffering. Verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and... Whether I am in chains, which he is, or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Now, it is important that we notice here that Paul is being very neutral about his imprisonment. He's not overly negative against it. He's not going, oh, it's horrible. This really sucks. Oh, it's so hard. But nor is he prancing about wishing it on everyone. Oh, how wonderful it is that I'm in jail. You guys aren't really Christians until you're suffering like me. No. Paul is simply saying that he is able to bear up and deal with hard times and persecution because he knows he shares the pain with his fellow believers in Philippi. He knows that they are thinking and praying and sharing the exact same gospel that he is. And that gives him the confidence to persevere. And this is the point. This is the reason we do church. The reason we have small groups. The reason we pray together like we do. It's because we are not alone in our faith journey. Yes, we individually have our own faith. It's true. But we can do it together. In times of hardship, suffering, and even persecution, we can find peace in the knowledge that there is a community of believers that have our back. So even if we are bullied for what we believe, let us not lose heart, but instead be encouraged by the flock of believers standing with us as we declare the word of God. And as an example of this, I had the opportunity of catching up with Jono recently. Um, And Jono had a wonderful opportunity at work to speak the gospel into the lives of his non-Christian workers. Um, And Jono is really faithful about this. I commend him in it. Um, But it can be overwhelming sometimes. It's overwhelming to be surrounded by so much non-Christians and, and, yeah, you can feel the pressure. And so we caught up and we chatted about it. And the encouragement that he felt to keep going and persevere in it was amazing. But also, I was encouraged as well by the mission field that he had and the work that he was doing with his fellow colleagues. This is an example 
we actually can encourage one another in hardship and challenging circumstances. And our next point actually is directly linked to this. I'll read the last bit of verse 7 and 8. It says, I have you in my heart, and all of you share in God's grace with me. And God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul really loves the Philippians. He says there that he loves them with the same love that Jesus himself has for us. Now, all of us actually share in this same love, the transforming power of his love, that is Christ's love. And what's the point? Well, Paul wants the Philippians and all of us to live for unity in Christ. Now, it's important to remember that this love from God, it's not this romantic gesture kind of love. I think a sad part of culture today is that it's overstimulated this idea of love to be emotional, a physical love. But this is brotherly love. This is a self-sacrificial love. In the Bible, in Greek, it's translated to mean agape, sacrificial love. During this week... Do you long for church, for the community? Do you long for small groups and one-to-ones to enjoy the fellow Christian friends and strangers alike, to enjoy fellowship with one another? And I want to stress here this point. If you don't long for small groups and one-to-ones or anything of that resort, I would highly encourage that you do because the fact is we need small groups or one-to-ones because we we can't do faith alone. We need others as well. Because the fact of the matter is this. One hour a day on a Sunday is not enough for you to fall in love with Jesus. We need to be growing faith. And by the way, if you can't have time to do one-to-ones with others, you can't find the time, do it with your husband or wife, your boyfriend or girlfriend. Anything to get in the Word because we need to be doing that more often. It is Paul's belief, it's not just mine, it is Paul's belief that the love of Christ will create this longing within you for this kind of fellowship. So let Christ's love motivate you to love your Christian brothers and sisters and express that love in your words and deeds. And through having the love of Christ, we will gain a deeper understanding and appreciation for who he is. Let's read on from verse 9. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best. Now, for all of you scientific people, this is probably fun because it's a logical equation that Paul is giving us for how we should grow as Christians in Christ's likeness. First, We accept Christ as our Lord and Saviour through his death on the cross and resurrection from the dead. Second, through seeking to know more about this Saviour that we now serve, the Holy Spirit speaks to us and reveals more incredible truths about who Jesus actually is. And I know this for a fact, having recently read through Gentle and Lowly in our small group. Every chapter, 
that we read revealed new ways of looking at Jesus and the Father that stunned all of us. Layer upon layer, our understanding of Christ develops. And layer upon layer, our appreciation and our confidence in him grows with it. It's like a marriage. You know, you get married and you don't always know everything about that person, but you'll learn more about that person as you go. Sometimes they're not as desirable as you might imagine. But it's still you're falling, part of falling in love with that person. But imagine Jesus, the perfect groom, getting to know him more and more. What a wonderful experience that is. And this leads to the third step. Discernment or depth of insight. Through understanding who Jesus is and how he thinks, acts, and treats others, we discover and are convicted of how we should think, act, and treat others. And this is Paul's point. As you grow in Christ-like love, your heart and mind must also grow for Jesus. You must fall in love with Jesus. So are you growing in love for Jesus? And if so, can you see it in your thoughts, your words, and your deeds? Because if not, if you can't see it, well, then we need to go back to the source for inspiration. We need to go back to the Word and learn more about Jesus. So, so far, Paul has given us a lot of recommendations for how we should live for Jesus in this present age. But know this, Christ will return, and he's coming soon. Reading both verse 9 and 10. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Now, there are a couple of meanings that Paul might be getting at here with this line. So I'll address them quickly. First, he is calling on fellow Christians to live and grow a relationship with Jesus with the end in mind. Here's a question I was asked this week by my Omi on this point. Why do you want to go to heaven? I think it's very easy for us to say, well, there's no sin. Uh, everything's perfect. No pain. No suffering. It'll be beautiful. I'll be able to fly. I'll get arms. That's a pretty good thing for me. Uh, whatever it is that might come to mind for you. However, that is not exactly how the new earth is described in the Bible. Or at least it's not the main point. It's rather the best thing we have to look forward to is perfect relationship with God the Father and Jesus the Son. And with this in mind, with this reality in mind, Paul is calling on us to always set our eyes on Jesus because he is our perfect groom waiting for us at the altar. Live for Christ now because that's what you're looking forward to at the end. So, my fellow Christians, when judgment day arrives, and it will come for all of us, do we want to say to Jesus, I lived for you because I love you and all that you have done for me. And we come into his embrace. Or are we going to stumble in there saying, oh, well, 
I didn't really live for you because I figured, well, the worse the world gets, the sooner you're going to come. So, but hey, nice to meet you anyway. I know the way that I would prefer to be meeting my Lord and Saviour. And before going on to the last point, I do want to make a special note for those listening who perhaps are not yet Christians or are exploring faith. Perhaps you're listening via the live stream. Maybe you're a new visitor here this morning. Or maybe you've sat in these seats throughout 2023. Judgment Day is approaching. And it is time to make a choice. I know the arguments that you might have. Perhaps there's a painful past experience with the church that you're trying to rectify with. Uh, Perhaps there are big questions that remain unresolved. Or maybe you just think that this Christian stuff isn't for you. You know, you're fine without it for now. Maybe your family care about it. Eh, that's fine for them. But here's my challenge to you. Do something about it. Because doing nothing is just not an option. Look at our congregation here this morning. Speak to our members and we will testify to the goodness of God. If you have been coming for even a few services, you will have witnessed the love of Jesus in our hearts. You heard it in our singing. We love the Lord. So if you have questions, ask them. If you have something on your heart that's weighing on you, talk about it with us. Come up to me or an elder after the service. We would love to hear from you. Because believe me, we would hands down rather you chat to us and bring your queries before us and your thoughts before us for rather than that, than for you to do nothing. Because Judgment Day is approaching and the Lord grieves for all those who do not accept his gift of grace. And all of this leads to our final point. And for it to flow right, I think it's best for us to read from 9 to 11. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, for most Christians here, when you hear the word fruit there, it should immediately remind us of the fruit of the Spirit, uh, which is laid out in Galatians, um, another of Paul's letters. And I think that's actually a link that Paul is making for us here. So I'll read it, Galatians 2, to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these there is no law. These are all examples of living in righteousness. So they are the fruit of righteousness. Paul is being intentional with his use of words here. He wants us to make this link to the letter in Galatians. And following straight off his reminder of the coming day of Christ, he makes one last call, one last plea for us to live in holiness and righteousness, to follow Jesus' example. How do we do that? How do we follow Jesus' example, you might say? Well, verse 11 says it. You do it through Jesus' example. 
We become holy and righteous by walking in his footsteps. Yes, he is 100% God, but he was also 100% man. So he could show us the way to live. The Holy Spirit works through us so we are able to discern what is right and wrong. And the choice to live for Christ becomes all the more desirable. And by doing this, by learning Jesus, by leading others towards Jesus, and by loving with the love of Jesus, guess what? We automatically are giving glory and praise to God because we are fulfilling the greatest desire for him. So brothers and sisters, let us make a New Year's resolution this morning together to always aspire to learn more about and be more like Jesus every day. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus as a perfect sacrifice for us, mending the bond broken through sin. We thank you, Jesus, for being a perfect example for us to follow. Thank you for loving us with a love that knows no bounds. Even when we stumble, you are always there with mercy in your eyes. We ask, Lord, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would continue to reveal yourself to us every day. Shape our hearts and minds to be like yours and never stop doing so until that day when we see you face to face in glory. May all these things come to fruition. In Christ, our Redeemer's name, amen.